Well, good morning to those of you who are watching us at our Ashley Park campus and to any of you who are joining us online. My name is Nathan Martin and I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And we are so glad you joined us because we're coming to the end of this gym class series that we've been in all summer uh, where we've been learning from the book of James in the Bible. And it was written by James, the brother of Jesus. And it's all about how to follow Jesus. And we've only got one more week after today. And today's topic that we're talking about from James is all about wealth and riches. And that may have you thinking, well, then this is good because I got neither wealth nor riches, so this don't apply to me, and I can just zone out for the rest of the time. And I get that you may feel this like this applies to somebody else, but before you zone out completely, uh, let me say a couple of things. Uh, first, I think we all want to be rich. Now, we may not even like the label rich, and we wouldn't want to call ourselves that, but I think we all want to be richer. I mean, if I asked you, how much money would it take for you to be able to live comfortably, it probably wouldn't be what you make right now. It'd be just a little more. And secondly, even if you don't feel very rich, well, the statistics don't back you up on this. In fact, uh, there have been studies done that say if you made $40,000 last year, well, then you are in the top 4% of wage earners in the world. So amount of people who got paychecks last year in the world, amount of people who made money last year, you made more than 96% of the people in the world. Oh, and what if you just made 8,000 more? What if you made 48,000? Well, then you'd be in the top 1%. You, you are the 1%. Now, now, here's a question I want you to, to think about for a second. What do you think the median household income in Coweta County is? So right down the middle, the median income in house, uh, household income in Coweta County. Turn to the person next to you and just take a guess. What do you think that number is. All right, well, the answer to this is $67,570. Now, what's interesting about that is that puts many of us in the top 0.15% of wage earners in the world, right? That's the average household in Coweta County at least made that, and many people made even more than that or in a higher percentage. But here's what I know. Even with those statistics, even with knowing that the average person probably listening to this is made more than 99.85% of people in the world, well, we still don't feel very rich. So what would it take? Uh, Money Magazine, which apparently is the name of a real magazine, uh, they surveyed their readers and asked them, what would it take in liquid assets for you to feel rich? How much money in liquid assets, money you can get too easily, how much would it take for you to feel rich? The average answer, $5 million. $5 million in liquid assets to feel rich. You got $2 million? Nah, you're still slumming it. You're slumming it at $2 million. $3 million? Meh. But $5 million, man, I finally can breathe easy. I don't even have to think about it anymore. I can finally feel a little rich. And so I think maybe we have a problem with this whole money thing. And I think that's why rich can't be 
a dollar amount that a person has because no matter how much we have, it doesn't really feel like it's enough. In fact, very famously, uh, John D. Rockefeller, who was an oil tycoon uh, at the turn of the 20th century, and he was at the time the richest man alive, and many people think even now, uh, with inflation and everything, he might be the richest person in American history. He was once asked by a journalist, how much money is enough? How much money is enough? And his answer, just a little more. I got more than 100%, right? I'm in the 100th percentile. I still need a little more. I don't really feel it. Don't feel like it's enough. And so when the Bible often talks about being a rich person, it's not just talking about a dollar amount that a person has. It really, the writers often talk about this deeper heart issue that rich is about, well, it's this love of money that, that drives us. In fact, you may not even read the Bible much, but you know in the Bible it says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And you may think, see, that's about someone else because that's not me. I don't love money. In fact, Nathan, I'm more of like a love the one you're with kind of person, and I'm never with money, so I can't love money. That's not about me. But let's be honest. Our world is built around the love of money. I mean... Even my three-year-old daughter is infected with this. She often likes to imagine and play and all those things. And the latest thing she does is she likes to walk up and go, Daddy, you got some money. You got some money, Daddy. Daddy, give me some money. And I'm hoping that's just playing. But, I mean, even her favorite song on the radio is Money by Cardi B. Don't judge my parenting. Uh, I mean, I do think, though, she learned how to count from that 21 Savage bank account song. And if you don't get that reference. I'll let you decide what that says about you, but here's the deal. Everything in our world is constantly pushing us for this desire for more and more. Even if we don't really want to be a millionaire, we certainly want more than we've got right now. And we may think that I'm not in love with money, right? I don't have the love of money. I'm not in love with money, but I think we all can admit we're in the flirting stage right now. We certainly like money. And so we're going to be learning from the brother of Jesus, what is it that we do with this, with riches and with wealth? Because our world would say to us, hey, being rich and having more than you need and, and really having more than you could even spend in your entire lifetime, that's the dream, man. That's what it takes to be happy. And I mean, we may say money can't buy happiness, but I bet we'd all like to try. Just give me a little bit and, and I'll take a shot at it. But James is going to teach us today, hey, being rich, it's not a goal for your life. It's actually a problem you've got to solve. There's not as many benefits necessarily as there are problems you've got to figure out. And so even if you don't feel very rich and none of us are immune to this love of money, and, and you might think this is for someone else, but... I think you need to pay attention. I think James is talking to us because James, throughout this little teaching here, we're just going to call his teaching rich people problems because that's really what he's trying to get at. So let's just get into what James has to say to rich people like us. And trigger warning, it's not very pretty. That's what James says. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. 
Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Now that might make you squirm a little bit and stings a little bit and you, you want to stop listening because you don't think that's for you, but hold on for a second. These words are harsh, but I actually think James is using very similar language to a very famous teaching from his big brother, Jesus. Because Jesus once said, hey, don't store up or don't hoard treasures here on earth where what happens? Moths eat them. Moths destroy them. It's temporary here on earth. It's such a waste to go after these kind of temporary things. Hoarding, storing up riches, it's just a waste because it's never going to last. And I think James is intentionally using very similar language to this famous teaching of Jesus to try and make us aware of the first rich people problem, which is this. Hoarding begins to feel normal. The richer you get, the more normal it feels to store up treasures and store up resources and often store up, let's just call it what it is, junk. And we might even call it wisdom and it feels like, hey, I'm just being cautious and I'm just trying to get prepared for a rainy day. And, and let me be clear, I, I don't think James at all is knocking savings accounts because the Bible m multiple times makes uh, references to the importance of wise savings and investing for the future. So I don't think that's what James is talking about here. I think James is talking about the kind of mindless, wasteful, self-indulgent hoarding that it just almost feels normal for rich people in his day, and I think most of us in our day. See, you notice James says, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Well, things don't rot when you use them in the correct amount of time, right? Moths don't eat clothes that you're wearing all the time. I think James would be talking to us in our world about fridges that are full of so much food that we just buy whatever we want and we can't really eat it all so it goes bad all the time and we're constantly having to clean out food and throw it away because we bought too much. Or he's talking about closets that are full of so many clothes that we have more than one closet and in fact there's things in those closets we don't even remember we owned and they may even still have some price tags on them because we've never worn them. I think he's talking about attics and basements that are full of stuff that we don't ever use, but we don't have any neat want to get rid of it. I think he's talking about homes that we build for our cars that we can't park our cars in anymore because they're full of stuff that we don't use, but we just don't want to get rid of. And maybe he's even talking about homes that we rent for our stuff that can't fit into our homes and we don't ever use it or have a plan to use it, but... We just don't want to get rid of it. And James is saying, hey, this kind of hoarding, this way of life, it testifies against us. It's the evidence that will one day say, so it's not that you didn't have enough money that you couldn't help anybody. It's not that you didn't have enough stuff. And see, James points out why this is such a problem for believers. He says, hey, you've hoarded wealth in the last days. And if you're religious, you may have heard, you know, you grew up in church, you hear the last days as things like, hey, you got to get right before Jesus comes back because it's the end times, man, sign of the times kind of stuff. But I think what James is actually referring to is this kind of belief that all the early Christians had that 
ever since Jesus rose from the dead and he was crowned king of kings, that a new era of human history had begun. And this was the last era, the last days where the kingdom of God had come to earth. And that this kingdom that was all about radical grace where people got way better than they deserved, that God was so generous with us, that in these last days, believers should be living in this kind of kingdom, that they would be radically generous like God is generous. This God who so loved the world that He gave His only Son to us. So in these last days, believers should live in a kingdom that isn't about hoarding wealth for us in case we ever might need it, but where we radically give to those in need and we are radically generous. I think James would say, Hey, rich people, they hoard. That's what feels normal. But kingdom people, they radically give because that's just who we are. And see, then James goes on in this next verse to explain the next rich people problem, and this is it. He says, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And James here is talking about rich people in his day, once again, who were landowners. And so they often employed day laborers to come and do the manual labor in the fields of mowing the fields and kind of planting the seeds and harvesting and that whole deal. And see, in their day, it's not really different than our day that people who do kind of the manual labor and are day laborers, they were on kind of the bottom rung of the pay scale. And so they often lived hand to mouth where whatever they made that day put food on their family's table. And so unfortunately what would happen is you'd have these rich people come in and often it would be kind of their little scheme where they could come in and see the work that was done and go, you know, this really isn't up to my standards. This is not the quality of work I expect. So I'm not going to pay you the full price I said I would or I'm not going to pay you at all. And these people who are so vulnerable, they wouldn't have the money that they need. And I think James is saying, hey, look, you're using these workers, you're getting advantage uh, of all their work, but you're failing to pay them, and you are, in some cases, keeping them from feeding their families. And so James here is kind of condemning this attitude where we use people to get stuff, and he says this is a, a rich people problem, which is money takes priority over people. We bend the rules. We find ways to keep our money to ourselves, and it doesn't matter who else that affects. And you may be thinking, once again, hey, I don't employ anybody, so this doesn't really affect me. But let's try and think about this honestly. Have you ever been a little dishonest with what you owe somebody? Ever been a little unfair? Ever sold a vehicle or a house and you knew there was a problem with it, but you chose not to disclose it because that would affect your profit margin. That would affect your side of the price. And your thought is, you know what, once it's their property, it's their problem. I just need to get as much as I can out of this. You ever been to a store or to a restaurant and you know, look, if I complain about the service or I push just hard enough on this, I may get a discount for this. I, I may uh, get this meal even free, and it doesn't matter how it affects anybody else as long as I'm getting what I feel like I deserve in this situation. You ever racked up a debt or told someone you'd pay them back and you knew, I have no plan on ever paying that back, and if I, if I just give a little bit at a time, I can kind of push that off. Ever been stingy? 
Now, you may feel that word may sting a little bit, and you think, no, 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 it's frugal. There's a difference between frugal and stingy. And there is a difference between frugal and stingy. And if you don't know the difference, then you might be on the stingy side. Uh, being frugal is when you use a Groupon at a restaurant, right? You get a lot of food, maybe you got a big family, you get a lot of food for a quality price, right? You get to bring it down a little bit. That's just being frugal. Being stingy is then when you tip at that restaurant based on the discounted price, not the price that you actually should have paid and the person actually put work into. See, there's a difference. And there's this feeling even when you say those kind of things that's like, well, hold on a second. I'm just being wise. I'm just not, I'm just not being wasteful in this situation. And certainly I don't think James would say that you need to be unwise or you need to be wasteful with your money. But followers of Jesus have been called to be radically generous, that that should be what defines who we are. And so we're all going to be wasteful at some point in a little bit. And shouldn't, if I'm going to be wasteful, that it would be something that benefited another person and not necessarily benefit me. And see, I think James is trying to warn us here about being people who end up valuing things and money over people. He's saying, hey, rich people love things. They love their money and their stuff, and they will use people to get more stuff and more things. But kingdom of God people, we use our things and our money to better love people. We find better ways to use what God has given us to love people in better ways, because love ultimately means I want what's best for you. Then James goes on to the next rich people problem. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. Now, you might be thinking, that feels a little bit like fat shaming, James. Uh, I don't need any body shaming on this. But really, we know what James is doing, right? He's just using this really savage imagery to try and get us to think about, you know, when an animal is being slaughtered, or right before an animal is slaughtered, they want to fatten that thing up because going to taste more delicious and so they will feed it whenever it wants to be fed and they're going to keep it comfortable we're just keep bringing the food to you you don't even got to work on it and the pig is mindlessly just eating and eating thinking man i am living my best life i'm consuming as much as i can i don't even have to work that hard for it they bring it to me this is amazing i'm so comfortable and it is until the day they take it to the slaughterhouse and i think james is saying hey when you see people just mindlessly using their money, spending it on whatever they want to be as comfortable as possible. It's like seeing a, a, a pig fatten for slaughter that you're not even thinking about, are there better ways this money could be used? You're just focusing on your own comfort, and one day you're going to die. And how you spent your money, you may look back and go, man, that was such a waste. And so I wonder at times... What does James say about my Amazon shopping history, right? Those little buttons, you can just go, need one more, need one more, right? How many times uh, do I end up going out to eat because I just don't like the options at home quite as much? Or how many times do I just make impulse buys? I'm, I'm the guy that those in-cabs uh, next to the register are made for. It's like, I don't need two more flashlights, but I kind of want one now. And I wonder at, at some point what... James would, would say about this, and look, this isn't about judging, ever spending money on yourself. That's not what this is about, but I think James would say, you want to know what a, a rich people problem is? It's mindlessly wasting what you have. 
I think we all know what it's like to just make one of those impulse buys and we immediately regret it. I mean, we have a term for it. It's called buyer's remorse. You're more happy before you buy it than after you bought it. And you just go, man, that was such a waste of money. Why did I do that? I know I could have done better than that. And the reason why is because it's temporary. The happiness is temporary and the thing itself is temporary too. And I think that's why Jesus says, hey, don't waste your money, your treasures here on earth trying to buy things for this earth because it's temporary. Time's going to destroy it. Things on this earth will destroy it. Your happiness eventually will fade. So instead, you should use your treasures on earth to build treasures in heaven, things that matter to God. Because when you use your money and your resources for God's purposes, things like taking care of the poor and building up His kingdom, it's never a waste because it matters for all of eternity. See, I think James and Jesus know that most of our waste is not done with evil intentions. No one's trying to hurt anybody. It's just mindless. Which is why every time someone on our staff gets up on stage and preaches about money, we, we almost always end up talking about the importance of just starting to track what you spend. Try to find out where is my money going because so much of it is just mindless. We don't even really know. I mean, I don't think I'm the only person who's had the experience of getting a new job or a pay raise and, and you end up kind of thinking, oh man, with this new amount of money, you know, we're never going to have to think about money anymore. We're never going to have to worry about it. Nothing's going to be a problem. And then you get to the end of that first month of paychecks and you go, where'd all that money go? And then you finally sit down with, if you got a budget, you sit down with that or you just look at your bank statement or your receipts and you go, $450 for roller food at QT? What? That one's probably just me, but you got something too. We've all had that experience. And I think James would say it's these mindless purchases. They're the things that will testify against us one day that says, so it wasn't that you didn't have enough money to help anybody. It wasn't that you didn't make enough. See, even if tracking seems difficult, and I know it kind of feels overwhelming to be like, oh, i got to keep all my receipts, i got to do all this different kind of stuff. I really want to give you something that we've talked about here uh, before that I think is a great service. It's called Mint.com. In fact, there's an app that's uh, just Mint. You can search it in the App Store or in the Google Play Store and find it. And what it does is you create an account and then you can kind of link up all your financial accounts, you know, bank accounts, bills, credit cards, all that kind of stuff. And it will track everything that you spend in those accounts and then it will categorize it for you so you can look at it and go, Oh, that's where all the money is going. I don't have to, I don't have to do that as much, right? I, you, can, you can see it. And then it won't be as mindless because you'll know. And at least you won't have the excuse of saying, I don't know where it went. See, I think James would say it's rich people who have the ability to mindlessly waste resources for their own comfort. But kingdom people... They creatively, they find creative ways to leverage and use their resources for the things God wants. And I, I don't know if I've made it clear, but this is not something that I am very good at. I am very much the mindless kind of person. And I am really learning these days from a lot of people around here who are so good at this. On what does it mean to be very creative and finding ways to get more money to be generous and to do all these kind of things in, in what I have? In fact, I work with students around here, and every year at the end of the year, if you haven't been here for it, we, we do a season of giving called Do Something. And it's one of the things I love most about our church is that 
you're sitting around some just incredibly generous people who love to give to fight poverty in our world and in, in our community. And we have these big end-of-year giving projects that we give to, and we ask everyone in our church to give $39.95 to these gifts every single year to these uh, end-of-year projects. And they go to help things in our world and in our community. And so we say, every man and woman and child give to this project. And so we go to our students and we say, hey, you're a person, so what can you do to give $39.95? And most of them don't have jobs and most of them don't have allowances. And so they have to get creative about how can I contribute? And so they end up uh, going to their parents. I've known many students who have gone and said, hey, it's about to be Christmas time. You're probably going to spend $40 on a gift for me. So would you just return that and give me the $40 so I can be a part of giving to what happens here? Yes, it means I'll get a little less of what I want, but someone will get something that they desperately need. Or I know students who go, hey, let me do extra chores, or let me go babysit, or let me go find something I can do to, to get some money that I can give away. Well, what if we, with our actual incomes and our actual jobs, got creative about kind of looking at these mindless impulse buys and go, what can I do to cut that down so that I can be more generous with the money that God has given me? And not so I feel good or or not so I can stop feeling guilty when someone gets up and talks about it, but so that what God wants could be done in this world because kingdom of God people, we're developing the heart of God, a God who is gracious and is generous all the time. Now, The final rich people problem that James addresses goes even farther than the last, and it may even feel a little over the top, but this is what James says. You rich people have condemned and murdered the innocent one. They weren't even opposing you. Now, there is a good amount of debate over what's being talked about here. Some scholars believe that James is talking about the rich and powerful leaders that would have been the ones who would have put Jesus on trial and killed him, and so... Jesus is the innocent one that got killed, or other people believe that, well, maybe James is talking about something he actually talked about earlier in the book. If you remember when we were um, talking about favoritism in the church, and James said, hey, you favor rich people, but it's the rich people that are persecuting you and throwing you in jail and, and even killing some of you. And, and so they say, well, maybe the innocent ones are, are members of the church who are being killed for their faith. I think what James is referring to is just a couple verses earlier where he talked about not paying the wages to the workers. And he's saying, hey, not only did you keep them from being able to put food on their table, but you didn't even care. It was like you effectively said, if you and your family die, that's not my problem. Now, you didn't pull the trigger. Now, you didn't make it happen yourself, but you might as well have. You could have helped them, and you refused to. You refused what you owed because you were rather keep the money for yourself. And so the final rich people problem is this. I forget that I'm accountable. You see, the illusion of wealth is that if it came to me, it's because of me and it's for me. I earned it, so it's mine. I get to do whatever I want with it. And the only person I'm accountable to is me. The only person my decisions affect, it may be my family, people very close to me. But that's it. But see, followers of Jesus know that's not the case. You see, everything we have is a gift from God. He's the one who gave us the ability to earn the money. He's the one who's given us life itself. And so because the things I have are from God, I'm responsible to Him for how I use it. 
He cares about how I use it. Now, don't hear me say that at the end of your life, God's going to sit down with like a ledger and want to show you how every mismanaged dollar was like some child you could have saved in another country. I don't think that's the point James is trying to make here. But I will say this. Jesus gave many parables where he made it very clear. We are accountable for how we took care of the poor around us. He says, hey, you are going to be accountable for the time I gave you, for the money I gave you, for the resources I gave you, and how you chose to use it so you should use it wisely. It's like James is saying, rich people believe if it came to me, it was meant for me. But kingdom people know God blesses me to be a blessing to others. Every gift I have is something given to me by God. And so I'm accountable to Him for how I use it. So I should use it wisely. So James says, you rich people, you've even condemned and murdered people. And then he's done. I mean, that's kind of James's fashion. He just kind of gives these harsh warnings and then goes, you got to handle this yourself. You know what to do about this. And look, I know... This has not been a fun message, and you're probably thinking, man, I thought Nathan was the young and handsome and funny and handsome preacher. I mean, what was this whole thing about? Well, look, I get how difficult these verses are because they're difficult for me too. But I hope that you know that what we say about ourselves as a church is totally true. It's a place where no perfect people are allowed, so there's no one who perfectly handles what God has given us here. And there's no shame. There's no condemnation here. I mean, our world is a place that, yes, is built on the love of money and kind of pushes you to do more and more and more, but then wants to shame you when you can't figure it out. And most of us feel like we're not doing good enough and we should be doing better, but we're just embarrassed to ever admit it. But I believe the church should be the place where you can just admit, I'm not getting this right and I want to do better. And there's no fear of judgment. There's no fear of shame. And I believe Community Christian is that place. And so I, I really just want to encourage you that no matter where you're at in, in, in regards to all of this, that you would just begin doing something that you're not currently doing. If that's as simple as just going to mint.com and, and begin tracking what you have, so you can kind of go, man, here's where I'm mindlessly kind of wasting stuff. Or maybe it's you need to go through your house and your stuff and go, I haven't used this stuff in years and Someone else probably could benefit from this and try and make that happen. Or maybe it's you sit down with a budget and you actually try to plan out, how can I creatively cut down on expenses so I can give more away? Parents, I, I would really encourage you to try and do this as a family, to sit down, because so often I talk to students going off to college who have almost no financial advice, and they're about to be dealing with real jobs and real money, and they don't know what to do, and they're scared because of it. And maybe if all the conversation is sitting down and just going, I haven't always got this right, but I'm trying to figure it out. Let's figure out as a family what are things we can do to stop mindlessly wasting stuff. Where can we cut back? Where can we be more generous? Where can we better wisely use what God has given us? And, you know, if you're here today and you're not sure you believe any of this and you're certainly very skeptical about any church talking about money, I, I completely understand that, but... I want you to notice that when I talk about being generous, I didn't say you need to give here, you need to give to the church. I really think that God just is calling you to be generous. And so if you can't believe in this cause right now, find the cause you can believe in. Find a place you can trust. 
and be generous there because this is about rooting out that love of money that exists in all of us and about learning to be generous with what God has given us. But for followers of Jesus, the reason we have to get a handle on this thing is because of what James said. We're living in the last days. Meaning ever since Jesus, God is doing a new thing. He's brought about a new kingdom that does not operate like the kingdom of this world that is built on the love of money. Instead, this kingdom is built on the fact that we have a God who so loved that He generously gave His Son for us. And we have been called into this new way of life where we follow in the footsteps of our King We're invited into a life where we spend less time trying to focus on how can I keep as much of what I have and and get even more and instead say, how can I use what God has given me to help others and to build up His kingdom? See, that's the new thing God is doing in these last days until our resurrected King of Kings returns. It's what life in God's kingdom is. It's learning to be generous and to love everyone always. See, there's nothing more contrary to that than the kind of rich people problems we talked about today. So as I close, I just want to pray that we'll be the kind of people that will build the kind of community here at Community Christian that we truly love everyone always, and not just with our words, but also with our wallets as well. So would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the fact that even though we didn't deserve it, when we were spiritually poor, you generously gave him to us. And you give us every good gift. So God, would we be wise and would we be generous that we would root out this love of money so we can fully love you and love the people around us. Help us to follow your example in this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. We will see you next week for the last week of gym class.